Happy birthday, Arbor. Happy birthday. Yeah. <laughs> that was my mother-in-law right there. All right, well, it is our birthday, so I decided that I should, uh, I should dress up. It's the first time I've worn a tie in a long, long time. Yes. I thought this or my birthday suit, one of the two, so I thought maybe both would have been great, but, uh, but we, uh, we elected to go with this. Um, it has been a big week, big, big week in my world. Uh, not only is Arbor turning one, but I had, uh, we had our fourth baby, or uh, we had our fourth baby, our second boy. Let me introduce you to Montana Gray. This is my new son. That's right. It's crazy. Lots of births going on. Uh, my son turns uh, three this next week, so, I mean, things are going uh, crazy. And so today, as Garrett said... Uh, our goal is that we want to celebrate. We want to celebrate. Now, when I have a birthday, I don't know if you do this, but when I have a birthday, my wife and I, we have a tradition. My tradition is that I must go out and I must eat. And I must eat one thing in particular, and that is steak. And I must have a good steak. So I go to Jack's. If you've ever been to Jack's, it's the best steakhouse around. Almost every birthday, we will go there. My wife and I will sit down. I'm so pumped. I'm so excited for my steak. My wife, she's so pumped. She's excited for her salad. It's going to be really good. We get there. We sit down. And I, we don't have this planned. We actually haven't talked about it. It's not like, a, like an ordered thing that we do, but we just kind of do it naturally. Naturally, we take a few minutes on the front end, and we look back. We kind of look at what has gone on in our lives. We spend a lot of time... Um, when we go out one-on-one, -on -one, we talk about Maggie, we talk about um, our kids, we talk about what it was like when we were dating versus to what it's like now that we're married with kids. You know, we talk about all these things, and we look back on what God has done, and then we'll spend a few moments, a little bit of time, kind of dreaming, kind of um, picturing what is life going to look like going forward. And so I want to take that tradition that we do in my family, we do in my household, and I want to do it here today. I want to take a few minutes, and I want to look back, and I'm not good at this. I am such a eyes forward, keep moving. I don't take a lot of time to look back and to celebrate, but I think it's healthy and it's important because it gives us perspective. And then what I want to do at the end is I want to take some time and I want to talk about uh, dreaming, looking forward. And so if I want to start with God's word, so let's start in the book of Isaiah uh, chapter 63. Here's what the Bible says. And this is what he talks about when it comes to celebrating. So uh, I will tell, so I will share, I will proclaim, I will testify of the Lord's unfailing love because it is unfailing, it is always there. And I will praise the Lord for what? For all he has done. Let me make this clear right from the beginning. We are not celebrating what Arbor has done. We are celebrating what Jesus has done through Arbor and through this church. That's what we're celebrating today. And it goes on. It says, I will rejoice, or other translations say, I will delight. I will delight in his, and I love this word right here, these two words, his great goodness. Other translations say good things, and I don't like that. I like the great goodness. God is so good that he needs a great in front of his goodness. It is that stinking good. He says, I will rejoice in his great goodness to, and in the, in the regular translation, it says Israel. And I'm going to do what all pastors do. I'm going to um, tear apart the word of God, and I'm going to insert 
arbor into there. So instead of Israel, it says that I will rejoice in his great goodness to arbor because he has been good to us. And so what I want to do, I want to look back. I want to start with the numbers. I'm going to pile drive through this, but you got to catch these numbers are significant, absolutely significant. I'll start with giving, and this is the only one I'm not going to go into detail on of how much money we have in the bank and what are we, we know, doing whatnot with this. Um, what I want to just say is this, is that you guys have been incredibly, incredibly, incredibly generous. We are a church plant of one year old, and we have not gone for wanting. Every bill has been paid. We've been able to help and to care and to um, take care of all the needs that we have. And just let me say this. That is not normal, okay? For a church plant, one year in, to have a full-time pastor would be a significant, you know, accomplishment. But for what we've accomplished right now, what God has accomplished through us, his great goodness is amazing. So let me brag a little bit on what we not have, what you have given, but what we have given away as a church. So here you are. We have a care team, benevolence, people that are in need. And we, we take this seriously. We try to go out and proactively reach out to people who are in need. And thus far, as a church plant, we have given away $24,400 to people in need. We also support church plants. So Pradeepin from, um, from Kalos Church and Tom from Imprint. In fact, Tom is doing his practice service today. At this moment, they'll be launching in, the, in a few weeks. Uh, uh, we gave away $10,122 to them. North Shore, this is crazy. The, the church we were birthed out of, they gave us a loan for $60,000. We were supposed to pay that over the course of three years. So you know, we actually paid that loan back in, in eight months. And we are debt-free as a church. On top of that, this is what I do love. This, we haven't shared this much lately, but the generosity of North Shore is that they gave us, they gave me kind of a stipend every year, kind of an ongoing stipend as a church, uh, an amount of money that they would donate to us to kind of help support the salary for this struggling church plant. And it was supposed to go over three years, and it was the amount of $65,000. Well, because our church is taking care of our own house, we basically said, thank you for this beautiful gift. Why don't you repackage it and give it to another? another church planter. So we basically said, you don't have to pay us $65,000 because we're taking care of things on our own. God is taking care of us out of his great goodness. <laughs> Outreach. We will be talking about that a whole lot at the end looking forward. But I just want to say this. We have strategically up to this point socked away money specifically to give away for outreach of the number of $70,000 is sitting in the bank. And I will talk about how we're planning to use that money at the very end. Bottom line is what I want to say when it comes to giving and money and stewardships is that you guys have been and we have been great stewards. You have been faithful. You have been sacrificial. You have been generous. And guys, this is not normal. This is God's great goodness. Now let's look at the attendance numbers, okay? Here's some more numbers. We started off with a core of 233 people out of sight of North Shore and all over the place. We launched with 16 teams. We divided to conquer into 16 different teams. On the first Sunday, we started. Day one, there were over 500 people that came to our first service then there for the first Sunday. 
Easter, we capped out at 749 people showed up for our Easter service, our first Easter service. Christmas Eve, we had more people in the first service than we've ever had in any service. We had 445 people in first service. And then it snowed. (laughs) And we had a brave 110 people show up to the second service. (laughs) Friends, just so you understand, we have an average attendance of 445 people that show up on a weekly basis to this church. To give you some perspective, that is in the 90th percentile of churches in the United States of America. It's humongous. It's crazy. We have 87 volunteers that average weekly on a, um, on a weekly basis. Um, there are 52 Sundays in a year, and I was so excited. You guys, I was so excited. Kara, who was up here leading worship, she was going to be the only one I knew of that had perfect attendance, and she got sick last week. So her number is 51. <laughs> 98%. Attendance up to this point, so she's better and she's here. So I haven't even been here that often. My gosh. Um, we have, this is a crazy stat right here, over 70% of our congregation are inside of groups. Over 70%, that's humongous. We had 12 people join into Care Day. We had over 200 people jump into Community Serve Day. We had six baptisms, which is low in the, I, I wish I would have given more opportunities, and we're going to do that this next year. We had 16 baby dedications. Since we started, this is crazy, we had 24 babies born inside of our church. And of course, this is the number one and the cutest baby of them all. Just throwing it back in there. There's my boy. We have 277 chairs inside of this building. They were all donated for free. We have 81, catch this, live plants. We are an authentic church. We don't do any of this fake crap, all right? We've got 81 plants that are alive right now and 1,454 salvaged boards throughout this place, throughout the building. Someone actually went through and counted. So there you are. When it comes to staff, the magic number is number four. We have four staff members. I will repeat, four staff members. Most churches, when they start off, they can't afford one. We have four, okay, four. We have Garrett, who we were able to bring on from North Shore. And I I will talk a little bit about his role coming up in the future because it's going to be changing a little bit. We have Anna, part-time. She's uh, taking care of our children and doing a phenomenal job. And I'm so happy to say this. Finally, I mean this, Allison has allowed us to pay her, so she is now full-time staff member, which is amazing, and she'll be taking care of our groups and the care team. We are actually also in process of hiring at least two more people to come on board. That's our goal, and you don't do that. You don't, that's not normal in your first year of church. God, it is God's great goodness, his great goodness. Does anybody know with the number 19011, the significance of that number? Any ideas on that? It's our address. That is a blessing. This building is a blessing. I prayed and I said, God, I don't want to be packing up and packing out when it comes to schools. I didn't want to do that. So he gave us a building, right, with the ugliest parking lot and the ugliest hallway so that, like, it it lowers your expectations for when you're going to walk into here (laughs) is what it really does. 
But God gave us a building where we could not only, God, catch this, it wasn't on the market when we found it. And so, um, and I have a friend named Jesse who has been looking for five years to try to find a building, and he can't find one for his church. We found one before we even got started, and therefore, we can do ministry and meet needs of our community throughout the week, seven days a week, for the price we would pay to actually rent a school for eight hours on a Sunday morning. So it is crazy. God is so good in this. And not only did we get the building, we got to renovate it. It didn't look like this. It truly did not. We had 87 helpers come in to make this house a home. They transformed. This is what the entryway used to look like when you walked in. It was this weird circled wall, and then it turned into that. This hallway, it was like this. Um, you know, it turned, made it beautiful. 87 people helped. The lobby had this really weird-looking symbol, this circle symbol, in the middle of it, we got down there, put our purpose on there. The sanctuary looked like this. We had burgundy in the front and no screens, and, and we were able to transform that. God allowed us out of his good, great goodness to be able to do what we want and have this place that we can call our home and make it our home. It's amazing. Number 240, anybody know the significance of that? A little bit harder, 240. Know what that is, the significance of that number? It is the children's room that we were able to purchase once we jumped in here. We were busting at the seams when we first got in, and we didn't have a way to be able to expand children's ministry. Then this room came available, and we were able to buy it at that point in time. And we had 59 helpers, here you are, to jump into our children's expansion. This gave us the opportunity to jump in and to do our children's expansion in our first year, mind you. First year, we have a greenhouse where seeds are sown in babies. We have a thicket where roots are established in toddlers. We have a grove where growth is nurtured in preschoolers, and we have an orchard where fruit is formed in elementary kids. And I can tell you this, my kids love to come to church. When we drive by, my little boy, who is literally two years old, he, so, he says, we go Arbor Church, and then we say no, and he cries, you know? <laughs> So it's amazing what we have. But probably my favorite thing in all of this building is something that you probably walked by and you never even noticed or know the significance of it. And that is this one Christmas tree cutout right here. And the reason that is important is because when I was called by God, I was in my garage cutting out this exact tree for Overlake. I was responsible for, for their Christmas decor that year, and I was taking it seriously, and I was cutting it in my garage. And I went back to Overlake once we started the church, and I asked for this tree. And I went and found the exact tree because I know it was the only one that was cut by hand. And I found it. And that's our tree, and it sits there. And every time I walk by it, I am reminded of where we got started where we got started. It's amazing. Guys, those are the numbers. They are the numbers. And yes, they are important. But the most important thing about this church, about what's happened in this last year, are the people, the stories, and the lives changed. And so what I want to do is something that is probably a little bit risky. Uh, this is either going to go really well and we'll be like, that was amazing. Or we're going to be like, yeah, we're not going to try that again. Yeah, that's, that's the last time. I'm going to allow and turn the floor over to you for literally five minutes. Five minutes. And basically what I want to give you the opportunity to do is I want to give you one-minute testimonies. One-minute testimonies. I'm going to give you some ground rules, a little framework here. you got to stand up and you got to speak. 
speak up. So you got to be loud and project because you're not going to have a microphone because you're only going to say one sentence. All right? One sentence. And it'll start with this. Say, this past year, and then go forward on what God has done and talk about his great goodness. So you have five minutes on the clock. The floor is yours. For better or for worse, go. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, um, that went better than I thought. Um, uh, I just, the only thing I, I, I want to comment on is I don't think you guys know what one sentence is, um, actually. <laughs> but, uh, but that was really good. Thank you for sharing, you guys. I mean, that's the most important part are the stories, the, 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 the lives that have been impacted, not the numbers. I mean, the numbers are fine. You can measure them. But it's the stories and it's the impact that, that God does inside of our hearts. For me, one of, my, one of my cherished memories of this time was literally on the launch day. I had wondered since we decided to plant a church. And when you step out to do something like that, you literally wonder, um, is, is anybody going to come, right? Truly. I, I, I prayed on the way here coming this morning um, before this, as the sun was rising, God, I don't feel adequate to go and do what I'm about ready to do, to go and to lead a church. And I still don't know why you guys show up every Sunday. <laughs> um, and the very first day, I remember I was, I was praying in this launch day, and you, you put a lot of planning in for it. And I just was like super um, just nervous. And then um, all of a sudden, people started coming, and we had 500 people coming, and my nervousness went to, oh my gosh, now I'm scared. <laughs> like, I mean, really scared. I, I think with tears in my eyes, I went up to my mentor, Dave, and I told him, I'm scared. I, I don't, you know, and he prayed with me right there, and, and that meant the world to me. And what it really, in that moment, really made me feel was like, hey, you know what? If God calls you to do something, he's going to go with you, Right? He's going to lead you. He's going to be there with you. And I feel like he has done that every step of the way, not just in my life, but in all the stories that I keep hearing from every individual over and over and over and over again, that God is with us in this process. And so looking back, I just wanted to get a perspective that we are a church that is one year old, that our attendance is higher than 90% of the churches in the United States. Financially, we're doing fine. We have our own building. The children's ministry is thriving. People are coming to know Jesus. People are growing in Jesus. And we are smack dab in the middle of it. And literally last time, this is not normal. This is not normal for a, for a church plant. It is not normal. It is God's great goodness. His great goodness. Now, with that in mind, here's my whole point. My whole point is that we are blessed. There's no denying that. There is no, uh, you know, there's amens after that. You can't argue that fact. We have been blessed, dot, 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 for a purpose, okay? We have been blessed for a purpose. Spider-Man said, with great power comes great responsibility. In fact, I don't think it was Spider-Man. I think it was Uncle Ben. <laughs> Uncle Ben was the one who said that. I just want you to know he ripped that off from Jesus because Jesus said, to whom much is given, much is required. And we have been given a lot. We have been blessed, dot, 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 to be a blessing. That's what we have been blessed for. We have not been blessed. So if I can summarize 
all of 2017, our first year from infancy to right now, here's how I would summarize it. We have been setting up base camp. That is what we have been doing. We have been setting up base camp, a foundation. Sundays are going fine. We have developed a community together. The mistake we would make is if we say and we turn into the campfire in the middle of our situation, in the middle of our camp, and we just start celebrating and roasting marshmallows and say, look what God has done, amazing us. That's not success. That is not success. It's not why we started this church. Success is not the number of people that we have inside of this building. That is not success. Success, we said from the very beginning, is making disciples and populating heaven. And in fact, hear me clearly on this, I believe, honestly, that our perceived success, the numbers that we have, is blocking the way of our true success. Hear that again. Our perceived success that, oh, we are doing really well as a church because people are coming, that perception is blocking the way that from us getting to our true success, which is making more and more disciples. Here's why. Because we've gotten comfortable. Already, can you believe that? One year in, we are comfortable coming to church. It's easy. It's all laid out for us. It looks like an old, like we've been here for years. We haven't been here for years. And most people who are in church plants, when they start, they have to work and work and work and work and work and work. And somehow it just came easy in our situation that God blessed us, but he didn't bless us so that we could stand on the street corner and look at, look at what a great church plant we are. That is wrong. That is false. I am not satisfied as a, your pastor with where we're at as a church. We were blessed to be a blessing. And so what does that mean? It means we have a job to do. 2017 was setting up base camp, and we got a really nice, pretty base camp. Outside of the parking lot and the, and the hallways coming in, we have a very pretty base camp. But 2018, year number two, we will be stepping out on mission. We're going to get out of this pretty building, and we're going to make an impact, okay? Because this is not what we're not turning inward. We can't do that. The natural tendency of all churches, especially with what we're walking through, is to get comfortable and turn inward. We need to, at all, at all costs, turn outward in this moment. So in 2018, we will be stepping out on mission. So let me explain what that actually is going to be in a little bit more detail. Um, I didn't put it on this. I should have put a slide for this, and I didn't. We have a process. It's kind of in the shape of a weird-looking funnel. The very top, it is that we are to go or to gather, then the next is to grow. And the very bottom, we have not touched that section hardly at all, but that's what 2000 is going to be about, and it is go. Gather, grow, go. Here's what go is going to look like for our church. We have been holding off on nailing this down for a few reasons. One, when you start something, you don't start them all at the same time. You have to start one plate spinning. We got Sundays going. We got children's ministry going. We have worship team going. We have care team going. Now we need to get our outreach going. Okay, that's what we're going to do. And we've been praying because we want to be strategic as a church about what we're going after. And how we're going to make an impact. Because we could, with the $70,000 that we have sitting in the bank right now, we could have given that away really easily. Really easily. But if you do that and send it to a bunch of different places, or we send our effort to a bunch of different places, we don't make an impact. The way you make an impact is to focus and choose and pick a lane. 
right? So that's what we want to do. We want to pick our lane. So here is our lane. This is what we've set aside that money for. This is what Garrett's new role will be tackling. He's going to put together the details of this plan. And our outreach plan is this. You've heard me say this phrase over and over again. For 2018, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be helping the hurting. We're going to get out of this building, and we are going to help the hurting. If there's any church that has been wired to help those in pain, it is this church. Okay, we are going to get out there. So let me define who the hurting is, because I get that that's broad, right? That is broad. But basically, the reason it's broad is so that you could take it outside and live that individually. You can go out and look for the hurting, and you can help them. But specifically, here's how it's going to be for us as a church. First part of the hurting, how we define who they are, threefold. One is we're going to go and help those who are grieving. One of the things we prayed for is we prayed for, hey, how are we uniquely shaped as a church? How can we, who, who can we go and uniquely help? We can help those who are grieving, those who have lost someone. And so here's how we're going to do that. We'll probably have grief share come into this church. We'll probably be a part of that. Um, but what I'd like to do is we also looked at the needs in the area, and there are a lot of old folks' homes around here. Did you notice that? There's a lot of them. And did you know that nobody's really going to those churches? I mean, it's really one thing to go out and help the orphans and to help kids and to help the needs where it's, it's easy and it's fun and it's rewarding. It's really hard and taxing, and it's not super rewarding, and it's definitely not sexy to go out and help in these old folks' home. But you know who are probably the loneliest people on this planet and in this area? They're sitting in those homes. Why? Because they've lost somebody. They've lost someone, and they probably have lost hope in life, and their life is not over. And we've kind of written them off as a society, but we're not going to write them off as a church. And so it's not going to be flashy. It's not going to be fancy. But we're going to mobilize our church to go in and infiltrate and care for those people. Care for those who have lost someone, those who are grieving, those who are hurt. That is dear to my heart. Dear to my heart. And so we're also going to bring in people and do some trainings on how to care for those who are going through loss. Um, specifically, I've asked my counselor, the one who's helped me um, through this process with Maggie, his name's Scott Lee, to come in and to teach some classes on how do we as lay people come alongside someone who has lost a kid, a wife, a husband, um, you know, a friend. How can we do that? Because I can tell you this from experience, most people don't know how to do that, right? I have Heard it all when we lost our daughter. I had heard all the things you're not supposed to say, and people tried so hard with the best of intentions, with the best of intentions. But we want to show and help people to come alongside. Why? So that we can share the hope of Christ. And so we're going to help those who are grieving. There will be trainings in that. The second people that we're going to reach, the second definition of hurting are those who are addicted. And here's why. You may think, why addicted, Jake? Well, we have heard more of a need coming in, say, I'm addicted to this. When we've listened to the word, I'm struggling with this. I can't get, I'm trapped in this. The reason why we're doing that is because the need is great. And here's the other part. I, Garrett and I, we've talked about this. We strategically want this church to get messier. And how do you get it messy? We invite those who are struggling in, right? And we not only invite them in, we bring them in. And so I hope this church gets a lot more messy. Right now, we're pretty clean. We look pretty clean, 
right? But we need to get messier as a church. And so we want to help those who are trapped, those who cannot get out of what they're going. And that may mean celebrate recovery. That may mean have Christian counseling. We're not sure, but we're going to um, figure that out. And that's who we're going to go after. We're going to go after the addicted. And the last definition of helping the hurting, it is the grieving, it is the addicted, and it is the lost. It is the words on the front of that thing. It is going and making disciples. Helping the people who are hurting that don't even know why they're hurting because they're lost. And so we have talked about it. We are going to be about church planting. And so at some point in time, we will hire somebody to come out. And we will hire someone to come out so that we can send them out, just like we were sent out to plant churches. The greatest, most effective way to reach people for the gospel in the United States, statistically proven, is to plant a church. And so we want to do that. We want to be about that and help the hurting and help um, in that way and, and help the lost. The other thing we're going to do is we're going to live missionally. We have said that over and over and over again. That means individually getting out there and not just bringing people to church, but bringing them to Jesus. And so we're going to do that. That's what our groups are designed to do. And with 70% of our people involved in groups, that should have a significant impact. So that's what we're going to do for 2018. We are going to step out on mission. What is that mission? Help the hurting. Who is the hurting? They are the grieving, they are the addicted, and they are the lost. That is our strategic focus as a church. And if we dial that in, we could have a significant impact. What was crazy is when we were thinking and brainstorming this and praying about this, there was a verse, or actually three verses that came to mind in Isaiah 61. So here is our verse for 2018. Uh, and no joke, it's literally titled in the NIV, The Year of the Lord's Favor. That's what it's called. And I'm going to just read straight through it because in a little bit, I'll break it down verse by verse in the future when we, when we talk about this. But this is our outreach focus. Listen to this through the lens of helping the hurting. You ready for this? Verse 1, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news, the gospel, to the poor. He has sent me, so here it is, here's our mission, to comfort the brokenhearted. There it is, help the hurting. To proclaim that captives, all right, so those trapped, those trapped not just in jail, but in addiction, will be released and prisoners, those who are literally stuck in sin, the lost, the prisoners, will be freed. He has sent me, that is us, not just me, us as a church, to tell those, here it is, who mourn. Those are the ones who are grieving. Those are the ones who have lost. That the time of the Lord's favor has come. And then here is the hope. And with it, the day of the Lord God's anger against their enemies. Here's the hope. To all who mourn in Israel or anyone who puts their trust in him, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, all right, now whose righteousness? The poor, the prisoners, the brokenhearted, those through salvation, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted. Why has he planted them? The purpose for all things, for his own glory. And so guys, we're, we've set up a great base camp. We truly have. And it is time that we turn and we step out on mission and we help the hurting.
I called a couple of my friends um, on Thursday, Ethan and Louise. Louise used to live around here. She's a very dear friend of mine. Um, she, uh, she moved to Colorado, met Ethan. They got married. They're very much hikers, outdoorsy type people, and they're part of a search and rescue team. And between the two of them, they have been on over 80 missions. Ethan alone has located seven different missing individuals. And so I asked them about the concept, the, the ideas, because I'm not going to get up here and pretend like I'm an, I'm an avid uh, like, uh, hiker. Now, I lived in the country, which is really funny. I, I was thinking about this. I lived in the country, and my parents never took me hiking. And I was trying to figure out why is that. And I'm like, oh, because we were already in the woods, you know, like we were there already. And so I never really grew up hiking or, you know, doing any of that kind of stuff. But that's what they do. And I, so I asked them. I kind of educated myself. I spent about 45 minutes on the phone. And I asked them about how they do the process. And they told me about base camp. They told me that they call it the operation or the command post. And they said everything runs out of this one location. They go there to a missing, where a missing person would be. They set up camp. It's exactly what we've done. We have set up camp. And if you're going to, like, hike a mountain, if you're going to go up to a mountain, base camp is where you acclimate to the weather so that you can head out to where you need to go on the mission that you need to go. And so it's super important. And then what they do, this is crazy, they go out in groups of three. So they team up, they group up, and they put, like, they, they get an assignment. They, they get a grid. You're, I want you to search this section from here to here. And then the, what I thought was amazing is that they only bring their essentials. They bring water. They bring rope. They bring this little thing called a carabiner. Have you guys heard of those things? And they bring those things, and they, and they bring their medical supplies, and they pack light. They go light. Why? Because base camp is in the middle, and then they head out on little missions, just a couple of them. They're linked together through rope and through a carabiner, and they head on out, and then they come on back to base camp. And then they go back out, and they look for who? The lost, the hurting. And then they come back, and they come back in, and they do that until they find that person. You know what it made me think of when they were talking? It made me think of Jesus when he sent out the original disciples. Think about that. How did he send them? In twos. And not only how did he send them, what, how else did he send them? He said, pack light. Pack light. Like, you don't get to take food you get to take one thing, of clothes, no extra clothes, just a robe. You get a staff. You get sandals. You get nothing else. You go, and you pack light, and then we'll meet back up at base camp. Base camp is where Jesus is, you know? And so they go out, and that's what they did, and, the, and then that's what we got to do. This is our base camp. We've spent a year setting it up, and now we've got to go out on mission. Ethan told me when he heads out on a mission, he gets excited on one hand, and he's petrified on the other. There's a, he said I, he has a pit in his stomach. And he says when he hears someone or he finds someone or they locate someone, that intensity of those emotions quadruple. We have lots of emotions when we go out into the community and we're talking and we're amongst those who don't know Jesus and we're nervous and we're excited and we're insecure and all of those things. And what they do, he said they go out searching, calling by name. They call their name out. They yell it as they're going around searching. And he says when somebody calls back, it's the most satisfying feeling. And he says you got to keep talking at that moment in time. You keep conversations going. And he says, he'll yell to them, recite the ABCs. 
so that they can kin and get in and pinpoint their location. And we got to get out there and we got to keep talking. We got to keep sharing. We got to keep giving the gospel. We got to keep showing love and showing we care so we can give the gospel. Ethan told me that one of the trips that he was on, there was a 14 year old girl that was lost. Somehow the mom got word that their daughter was lost in the woods. And so the daughter um, was in, I can't remember the name of the trail. I think I wrote it down actually. Yeah, Gray Rock Trail. Uh, in Colorado. They were there. They were hiking. She was by herself. They met. The search and rescue team showed up, and then so did the mom. And the mom was so frantic to find her daughter that she ran out into the woods um, ahead of the search team and got lost herself. So the search team now are looking for two people. They're looking for the mom, and they're looking for the daughter. Well, they ended up finding the mom exhausted, worn down, and then brought her back where? to base camp and set her down and she got water and she got rest. And they went out and they went searching. They kept searching, they kept searching and then finally they found the girl. And she was a little embarrassed because she was 14 years old and she got lost but it was getting dark so she was very thankful that she was found. And so when she came on in and they brought her to base camp, the mom was sitting there and saw the girl at a distance and beelined for her. You can imagine the relief as a parent when you see your daughter coming in, she ran to her daughter, um, just like the prodigal son. The father runs to the son, right? The daughter runs to her, the mother runs to her daughter and embraces her and cries. And he said he cried and cried and just was beside herself with emotion. She just couldn't contain it. Why couldn't she contain it? Because her daughter was lost. And now she was found. Does that not sound eerily similar to a passage in Scripture? They were lost, and now they're found. The excitement, the relief, the joy is what we should feel when someone comes to faith. And they brought her back to base camp, right? They brought her back to base camp, and it was there that she got nourishment, she got food, she got shelter, and then they headed home. Friends, that's what this church is for. And if we're going to go out on mission, if we're going to step out this year on mission, we need these. This is a carabiner. A beaner. Not a carabian, not Johnny Depp, a carabiner. Okay? When I talked to Ethan, he told me it was a it was pretty darn critical. That was his exact words. I said, how important is it? He's like, that's pretty darn critical. And what it is, is it literally the goal of it, the point of it is to link people together. It links these small teams that head on out. You stick a rope through here and you head on out. If you're going up on a mountain, you'll take three of, you'll take three of you will be attached into these by a rope. And then if one falls, what happens? The other two catch them. If two falls, one holds. If all three fall, that's bad. Okay. <laughs> At that point in time, Ethan tells me, because I of course asked, what happens if all three of them fall off a cliff? Right? They said they're all supposed to take their pitch, pitch things and put them into the snow and slow down or, you know, like make a, like a snow anchor, like Bear grills. All right? I don't know. But, but they're supposed to. He basically says this. He says there is a higher percentage of survival if you have one of these, if you go out with one of these. There is a higher chance of success if we are tied in. That's the way he said it. 
if you are tied in to one of these. Friends, that's what it is. That's it. My question, my simple question for you. We have got big lofty goals here, not, not because we want to do big lofty things, but we believe God is calling us to do big lofty things. And this year, we're going to turn away from base camp, and we're going to head on out and help the hurting. My question is, are you tied in with us? Are you tied into that mission? Will you come? We can come back here. We can gather every Sunday, but we've got to go back out and help the hurting, and we need you. And so if you are tied in with us, here's what I want to do. We're going to have a quick little response here. Two things. One, I want you to write on your connection card just simply the word, I'm tied in. If you're with us for 2018, you want to go through this thing, you want to head on out, we want to help the hurting and, and hit this mission, I want you to write on Don't do it right now. You'll have a second, I promise. You write on your connection card that you are tied in. But here's the second thing that we're going to do. So that you never forget, Allison ordered them rush on Amazon. We have little baby carabiners. <laughs> I know, they're cute. Isn't that nice? They go together, and now they don't come apart. Okay. So we are going to give you one of these. We're going to ask you. What I'm going to do is we made a quick little video. It's four minutes long. You have four minutes to decide. Are you tied in with us? right? And if you are, then in that time, we want you to stand up while this video is playing. We're not going to have a band come up. We're not going to do anything else. We're just literally going to have, literally going to have you play this video, and you can come up, and there's one here, and there's one here. Take your time. There's four minutes, and we want you to put these on your keychain. Here's why, is that every single time you look at it on your keychain, you will remember this. I'm on mission. I'm going out to help the hurting, the grieving, the addicted, the lost. That's what we want. And so we're going to watch this video here. It's four minutes long. If you are tied in with us, write it on your card. Hop up out of your seat. There's just something about moving, declaring, getting up. I know it's going to be messy. It can't be as messy as doing the uh, testimonies. But, right, it can just get up and then come on out and grab one of these and then head back to your seat. But if you're tied in with us, if you are truly, then I want you to grab one of these. Let me pray, and then we'll watch this video. Jesus, you showed us the way when you sent out the disciples. You sent them two by two. Sent out the 72 two by two. You sent us all out in small groups, strategically. God, may we be strategic with the mission that you have given us. May we be strategic in loving you back and caring for you and going and reaching those who you love more than we love. And so, Lord, I pray you would give us the strength, you'd give us the courage. And I pray you would help us to stay linked together in this arm in arm and we would never lose focus of that mission, making disciples. That's what you did. Helping the hurting. That's what we're about. God, thank you for what you've done for us. We love you so much. In your name, amen.